Hello and welcome to Praying on Purpose. Imagine for a moment that we can take a tefillah and put it in a package, just like we would perhaps find any food item that has on the side a nutritional label. And we'll be able to look very carefully at the ingredients that are contained within this particular food. So here we have this prayer, this tefillah, and we're going to look at it and say, okay, what is the nutritional value? What goes into this prayer? And like when it comes to any food, of course, there are primary ingredients, and then there are some, let's say, secondary ingredients. Some of those secondary ingredients may be so insignificant that they don't even appear on the label. But this morning, I would like to just talk about what are the primary ingredients of every prayer of every tefillah. And I think we would all agree that a properly articulated and formulated prayer would have two primary ingredients. The first one I would call are the words, the thoughts, the ideas that go into the prayer. What is it that I am saying? So if a prayer is an expression of praise, if I am asking for something, if I am expressing my appreciation and gratitude, so the words that I use, the thoughts that I formulate, that is one part of prayer. But there is, of course, another part of prayer, and that is the emotion. What is it that I am feeling? How do I express myself? What do I sound like? Am I truly attuned? Am I focused at this moment? Or am I just reading words that appear before me? So I think we would probably agree that if we would look at, again, if you'll you'll forgive me for the moment, the nutritional value or the ingredients inside of every prayer, we would find that there would be a nice balance between the thoughts, the words on the one hand, and the feelings and the emotions on the other hand. The Nitziv in this coming week's Parsha, Parsha Shmos, points out that it is very clear from the Torah itself that there are two aspects, there are two functions, and in some cases, there are two types of prayer reflecting these two different ideas. The Torah tells us towards the beginning of the parsha. there's a lot, of course, that is told in the beginning of Parsha Shemos, but we learn sooner than later that uh, the Jewish people have become enslaved in Mitzrayim, and they are subjected to some very, very difficult and painful labor. And the Torah tells us, Vayihi vayamim harabim ahem, after the passage of a significant amount of time, Vayamos Melech Mitzrayim, the previous king of Egypt died, The people started to groan, literally, from the pain of the work, the labor that they were, that they were subjected to, Vayizaku, and they cried out to God, Vatal Shavasam Avoda. Literally, their cries ascended to God from the Avoda, from the work. So the Nitziv, in his commentary on Chumash, wonders, why does it say, Vatal shavasam el ha'elokim avoda, that their cries ascended to God from the work? Really, what it should say is, Vatal shavasam min ha'avoda el-elokim, that they were in so much pain from the work, they found the labor so torturous that they cried out to God for relief, for help, for assistance. So the Nitziv uses this opportunity to tell us that the Torah is not, in fact, saying what we think or what we would have thought it is saying. He says, The Torah is coming to teach us, He says, The people at this time were not yet able, they were not capable, they were not trained, they were educated. They had just not been, they had not evolved in a way that allowed them in any meaningful, sophisticated way to compose their thoughts and their ideas and present them before God. In which case it would have been, Right, if a person has a very well thought out idea and could present it and argue their case, so then obviously th- th- such a thought would be considered based on the merits of its clarity and thoughtfulness. But that's not what happened over here. 
Rather, he says, Hayu anashim pshutim, they were simple people, umigushamim kibale avodakasha. These were people who were just completely engrossed and entrenched in the very physical world in which they found themselves, living very, very difficult and challenging lives. When they cried out to God, they were not preparing their words in a thoughtful way. In fact, the Nitziv seems to imply they weren't necessarily saying anything at all. It was just coming from a place, it was a primal cry for assistance from God. And he says, The Torah tells us over here that nevertheless, God accepted their prayer. The Nitziv, in fact, uses this as an opportunity to reference a similar reflection that he has towards the end of the first chapter in Sefer Devarim. At the end of Perak Aleph in Sefer Devarim, the Torah is recounting, of course, some of the most difficult challenges over the course of Jewish history and mentions the Chedem Meraglim. And over there, the Torah says, Hashem. They returned and cried before God, Hashem bekolchem, hezin That God did not hear their voice, hezin and He didn't listen to them. So the Nitziv wonders with curiosity, why exactly does the Torah use two expressions to say what sounds like pretty much the same idea? And he says over there as well that there are two different types of tefillah that can be received by God at any time. One type is when a person does not have the ability, the capacity, they don't have the either the knowledge or the sophistication, or perhaps they just don't have the presence of mind in the moment to go ahead and to prepare and to articulate a meaningful, thoughtful prayer. But nevertheless, he says, from that place where they are, they can cry out to God with a broken heart. That's what it means when it says in Tehillim, Ahavti kiyash. That's what it means when it says in Tehillim, Ahavti kiyishma Hashem es koli tachnunoi. That there's a concept of Hashem hearing koli tachnunoi. My petitioning voice. Meaning, the point over there says in its is the call. It is just the voice, more than the tachanunoi. It's not so much the words, the petition. It's just what it is that a person is feeling. I express myself in that way. And he says, as Chazal tell us, that ultimately HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants our heart. He wants us to put our heart and soul into our prayers. And when all we offer Him is our heart, or more specifically, our broken heart, so then that is something that He receives. And then it goes on to say, that's why the Gemara tells us that when it comes to prayer, it could be recited in any language. HaKadosh Baruch Hu obviously knows every language. It's not the point. Why is it that we are not makbid, that a person davin, balashan HaKodesh in Hebrew? Because when a person is speaking from their heart, it doesn't really make a difference what language they're speaking in. He says, imagine if a person was begging a human king, and this king did not understand the language, but the person was brokenhearted and just gets down on their hands and knees and is crying out desperately for help and for assistance, he says a compassionate king is not going to say, I'm sorry, I can't help you. I don't really understand what you're saying. It will be very evident to this king that this individual is broken and this person is desperate. And frankly, it doesn't even matter what you're saying. I see that you need me. And I see that you are presenting yourself as being completely dependent on me. And so therefore, I want to help. The king will naturally just be inclined to help such an individual. And so therefore, says in when it comes to such a prayer, the halacha does not insist that we daven in Hebrew. You can have in any language that you want because, after all, what I am offering is my heart and I'm offering you my call, my voice. This is one type of prayer. Says the Nitziv, there's another type of prayer and that is somebody who comes and he is not in a state of brokenheartedness. This person is not particularly emotional. This person is not putting themselves out there in that way. 
It is just whatever. A person is saying what's on their mind. Or, as we can all appreciate, a person is reading the words that are in front of him. So then he says, so then there, is, there are certain standards. Then, in fact, it is proper, he says, for example, to Davin, Balashan HaKodesh. Because now I'm sort of presenting my case. Now I'm coming with my words before the king. I'm almost like I'm reading, which I am. I'm almost like reading a script of sorts. And in this situation, there is a certain formality to it. There are certain expectations that are appropriate given the fact that it is this type of prayer. So the way the Nitzvah presents it over here, there really are two different types of prayers, and there are situations in which we can have one without the other. I think that it is very clear that the Nitzvah is saying that ideally, every tefillah will incorporate both of these. There will be, on the one hand, like I said, the thoughts, the words, the substance of the prayer, what it is that I'm saying. And hopefully there is, in addition to the script, if you will, that appears before me, there's my own... um, creative infusion of thoughts and perspectives that I bring into each and every prayer. But separately from that, there's Rahmana Libabai. Right? Let's not forget. We've said this many times already. What is the source for tefillah in the Torah? Uliavdo b'chol levavchem. And Chazal tell us, Ezoi avodah What is an avodah How do we serve God with our hearts? This is tefillah. Tefillah is an avodah And since it requires heart, so then by definition, we need to sort of put our heart into it. And so therefore we see from the beginning of this coming week's Parsha, Parsha Shemos, that at a time in history in which B'nai Yisrael did not yet have a Siddur, and it was prior to the institution of prayer the way we have it today, there was not yet an Anshei Knesset Sagadola. There was no Shachras, Minchan, Marev in the formal sense that we have it today. They didn't have their prayer books. But yet, from a place of real desperation and need, they naturally cried out to God, Vatal Shavasam Elolokim Minavoda. Their feelings just descended and they pierced the heavens because they were coming from a place of genuine sincerity. Each and every one of us, when we have the opportunity three times a day to daven, should really make a conscious, concerted effort to see to it that the packaging of our prayer contains on the nutritional label both of these aspects. At any given point in time, it may be hard to tell whether or not there's a little more of the thoughts or there's a little more of the emotion. There may be prayers overall, which feel like more the former and others the latter. We're human, and every day is a dynamic day. We're not always going to be in the same place, the same state of mind, the same state of being. That goes without saying. But overall, just like we want to try to have a balanced diet, we also want to have a balanced spiritual diet. We want to be able to pray in a way that reflects both of these aspects, both of these key components of prayer. The idea that there is the thoughts that are coming from my head, and there's the emotions that are coming from my heart. And the two of them work together. The two of them blend together. And that really creates what is was it, what is an ideal and a most meaningful type of prayer. At the end of the day, as we see, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is willing, is willing to accept one without the other. A broken heart without words, or a very clearly articulated message without necessarily putting my heart into it, that's also worth something. But nothing can compare to the wholesomeness of a prayer that has both of these very, very essential ingredients. May we be inspired each and every time we pray to try to achieve both of these most important objectives. Thank you so much, and have a wonderful day.